Happy New Year, She 2.0 listeners, and Jackie. Happy New Year, Ramona, and everyone listening today. Um, I know it's probably a few weeks in by the time our listeners are are hearing our first podcast of 2021, um, but I did want to say Happy New Year because we haven't talked to anybody or they haven't heard our voices in a little while. <laughs> It's been kind of a crazy time and, you know, with everybody, like anyone with kids has been in lockdown, lockdown, lockdown because they're working from home, doing everything from home and now homeschooling, right? Just like you and I. So it's been a bit of a comedy of errors, but we're back. We're back and I'm kind of excited about our first guest of the year because, you know, one of the things that you and I have always talked about is how like ill-prepared we felt uh, when going through menopause or perimenopause and the lack of information and, and the whole reason why we started She 2.0 is that we want to fill in that gap, right? And we've had many experts and health professionals that come on to inform us, but we thought it was really important to hear from real women going through this um, because each of our experiences are different, both physically, emotionally, and it's really important for us to share our experiences with each other so we can learn from each other. And so we had one brave gal come on for our first Real Woman podcast. So, Jack, <laughs> do you want to let our listeners know who came to join us? Yeah, well, we like to say she's the first woman ever in the world to go through perimenopause. <laughs> but what we, what we really mean is she's the first woman to come forward and openly chat about it. Sharon Develis who's also willing to donate her first and last name, you know, in an atmosphere where people are a little bit reticent to talk about this topic. Sharon is a writer. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's so physically active and outgoing. And she was, you know, really sideswiped by menopause or perimenopausal symptoms that she's going through. And uh, she joins us on this episode to talk about how it's impacted her life, um, the things she thought she knew she didn't, you know, and some some things she's tried that have worked and some that I haven't. But just like more importantly, she's this great authentic voice um, that that's sharing her story about her whole experience. And I think, you know, as we all listen to it, we're all going to be doing a lot of head nodding as we agree with her on the, the challenges and the struggles and, and what we go through on this particular part of our journey. Yeah. Um, I have to thank Sharon cause hopefully she'll listen to this when it's posted <laughs> because I think it's really great that she was brave enough to share her experiences, but I also learned a lot from her. We can all learn from each other, right? There's things that she's tried, particularly with the Jasmine oil oil spoiler alert um, <laughs> that, you know, I might try to see if it helps. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy our first Real Woman podcast with Sharon. Enjoy. Hey, Sharon. It's so great that you're joining Ramona and I on She 2.0, the podcast. You are our first real woman with a real woman story about your menopausal experience or perimenopause. Um, so welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Welcome. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I didn't know I was going to be the first one, but yay me. Um, I'm happy to talk about this and kind of open the floodgates, for lack of a better phrase, (laughs) of information uh, and help women feel 
normal. Normal. Awesome. About something that is normal, right? Yeah, it's crazy, completely. It's crazy that we even have to say that, but um, it's a fact, right? We, we feel like this is not an easy uh, conversation to have uh, with our family or peers. And um, I'm really happy that you're so open to having this conversation with us. So Sharon, are you, where, where are you in the whole uh, journey, shall we call it? Are you currently perimenopausal? Are you postmenopausal? Are you like, what's happening? Well, I'm perimenopausal. Um... I was trying to think back, like I was really like, I'm like, when did it all actually happen? So I'm 51 now. And I have to say, probably it was like, in 2018, it really started for me. Um, and then I went from like about April to November with no period whatsoever. And I was like, yay me, like, this is awesome. And I had like, <laughs> no, nothing else. I mean, my anxiety was higher, and I was having trouble sleeping. But other than that, it was completely fine. And then the day I went on a cruise, my aunt took my sister and I on a cruise. I got my period and it didn't stop for 31 days. Oh my God. What? So That's that punishment. Was, yeah, so that was, and I got back and I started a new job like five days after I got back from the cruise. So then I was dealing with all of this too. And, and it wasn't pretty. Like if you're our age range, I want you to think of like, the elevator scene in The Shining, like <laughs> horrifying, horrifying. Um, so then that happened and then it ended and then that brought me into 2019 and it was like a semi-normal year. And then uh, again, I went like six months and I was like, okay, this is it, this is it. We're gonna get in there now. I'm gonna be super happy. And no, it came back. And then again, this past summer, but then this past summer, when it happened, I started getting hot flashes too. And so, okay. yeah, so sometimes those, so it's really interesting. Like I know some people have them for long periods of times. Mine were fast and furious, um, but without the movie box office. And, <laughs> and sometimes I would have like five to seven in an hour. And they would just come on and be like super quick and super hot and then just go away. So that was a whole other thing to deal with, especially this summer of July when it was really hot. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Yeah. It was really <laughs> interesting. Maybe the word, I don't know. Um, uncomfortable, um, embarrassing because my face would go so red. Um, and then my, period came back again. So that's where oh. I So the, the first time when you lost your period for like six months and then you had the 30 day experience, um, did you then after that have you have regular periods like monthly and then you went again another six months um, yeah, without so they, one? They were pretty regular. Yeah. Okay. Like not, um, sporadic or anything like they came back and okay. they were the typical I've never been I will be the first to admit I've never been one who really actively kept track but mm -hmm. you know when you're expecting them you're like yeah mm, it's around this time and and it would come and that was fine so yeah it just went back to normal yeah and during this time particularly around the time where you went so many days um with your period was was the blood flow consistently heavy? 
Oh yeah. Or, yeah. It was horrifying. Like it was, and did like, you follow up with your doctor at all during this time? Just kind of write it out. I just wrote out. I'm feeling fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, gross, mm -hmm. but fine. And just, you know, had it gone on longer mm -hmm. for sure. I would have, but it didn't seem to, in my head, I was like, well, I guess this is like six or seven months worth of like lining yeah. I have to get rid of. So, yeah, I suppose, you yeah. know, like in my head, I was like, yeah. this seems pretty normal. So um, do you mind me asking from the time when you first started experiencing perimenopause in terms of like losing your period, how old you were at that time? Because a lot of our listeners are of varying ages and what we're trying, one point we're trying to get across is like, it happens at any age, like, you know, gone are the days where you see these ads of like women in their 60s who are in menopause, which seems to be like the narrative a lot of the time. And, mm -hmm. and the one thing that Jack and I have always tried to get across in our messaging is that a lot of us are still very young, vibrant women um, that are going through this. We're not, you know, geriatric just yet. Sometimes I might feel like it, but I'm not. So we always like to, if you don't mind talking a little bit about your age range and when it started to now and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. It's 48. Okay. So, and you're talking to like a very active 48 year old. So I, yeah. you know, coach speed skating. I was racing in triathlons. I run 10Ks, like very active, like mm -hmm. certainly not geriatric whatsoever. Yeah. And 48 is, you know, fairly young when you think about sometimes the, the typical age range that's associated with menopause is like, you know, if, if I think of like traditional advertising, it's like, you know, late, like early 50s sort of scenario, right? right? So um, but for many of us, it's happening sometimes in our late 30s. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, like the symptoms can, I know um, some people, I won't bust them on the podcast, but who started experiencing symptoms like before early 40s and it carried on for a good five years before it she actually really really went into perimenopause and started getting physical like no periods so there is evidence to show that perimenopause um can typically typically this is what i read happen around 35 but in the very beginning of perimenopause, from our understanding, you know, some of the hormones that you lose are not, it's not estrogen, so it's not as noticeable. So you may not even notice it. There may be no change to your period. There may be no mood swings, no hot flashes, but your body is starting to drop levels of a certain hormone. And I think it could be progesterone, which is so deceiving, right? Because then you think you get a period every month, you can get pregnant, no problem. But like as someone like me found out, that is not the case at all. Like can cause a lot of fertility issues. And it's so confusing the information because you don't, you don't realize that it's a perimenopausal issue. You think it's a fertility issue or I'm too stressed or whatever. But um, did your, did your OB-GYN or your doctor, your GP, like help, help you understand this at all? Or is this something you had to figure out on your own? Like who told you? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of figured it out on my own. I mean, my doctor and I have a great relationship. I've been seen like for 19 years. She's really open. Um, but I didn't really talk to her about it. I was, I'm more just a, a matter of fact person. Um, but now looking back, I do wish I'd 
like spoken with her more because I feel like in my early 40s leading up to this, um, my anxiety definitely increased throughout those years. And I wonder if that was an underlying effect of going into perimenopause um, to the point, and I'm very open about that too, my anxiety, but even my boys are like, we don't ever remember you being like this, like when we were younger. And I'm like, I don't think I was. <laughs> so anxiety was definitely an issue. And, and it's more that hindsight gives you 2020 vision mm-hmm. where now I'm like, oh yeah, I probably sh- should have talked to her about this, but it just happens so gradually yeah and then all of a sudden one day you're kind of like oh yeah I have full-blown anxiety now but it's also like not part of the conversation a lot of the time Sharon Mm -hmm. so I think and again that's sort of what we're trying to do here is there's a lot of us myself and I think Jack included like didn't like, I mean, I knew I would be going into menopause because I was forced to be in menopause, but I didn't understand what was about to happen to my body and how long the process would take. Um, and all of the different symptoms and side effects that you get anxiety is one of them. So a lot of us who would be going through it naturally, could be suffering for years and years and not knowing it and not even thinking like, I should really talk to my doctor about this because I'm feeling different, but it's not anything like earth shattering Mm -hmm. for some of us. So we don't think to talk about it, um, which is why we kind of wanted to open up the conversation about it just to educate each other more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's all these books on puberty, right? Like you go into a bookstore (laughs) and you know, you're, you're, little girl's going to hit puberty and there's like hundreds of books to choose from, but yeah, there's no real like menopause handbook. No, there's not. And you know, I feel like um, one of the complaints that I have, it's multi-directional the blame on this one, but um, I blame the healthcare system. I blame media and I blame, you know, women in general, because um, we are, we are sort of trained to downplay our period, mm-hmm. you know, our reproductive system and, and menopause and perimenopause, like people don't want to hear about it. Um, doctors, GPs, they're, they're gatekeepers. But they don't have the experience to talk to us about it or, you know, where they should be sending us to experts, but we had to do our own digging to find the experts. So they don't seem to have a roster of experts to, to send us to for different symptoms. And, um, you know, the media, you know, if you look at anything to do with menopause, it's very negative. And, and we've seen some negative connotations around our periods. And like, I know that we were all decades ago when we got our first period, but you know, remember those stupid ads about the microfiche and she was spy and that's how she got her little maxi pad around town. (laughs) Like, why, why are we so embarrassed about it? And then we wonder why now no one wants to talk about it. I mean, we're just, innately trained that this is not a topic for the dinner table. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I will say I am part of the problem because I make jokes about it, which I, I mean, I do because, you know, kind of, you have to deal with it. You have to have levity during this. You have to deal with a 31 day period. So you might as well laugh at it. But, you know, I 
think it really does downplay what we're going through and and the seriousness of and the, the and the you know the lack of sleep that mm-hmm. so many of us go through like I jokingly put out on Twitter one day I'm like you know menopausal women should take over the world because we're all up between one and three we just need to text each other (laughs) it's back to breastfeeding right like and people are like oh yeah I'm always up like I wake up and I can't fall back to sleep and it's a huge problem so a health problem as well because we're so many of us are walking around sleep deprived which is one of the worst things you can do for your health well and it contributes to anxiety and depression exactly. when you're not getting sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a vicious cycle there. So along with like hot flashes and anxiety, was there any other side effects that were kind of dogging you or are still dogging you right now? So definitely lack of sleep was um, one of them, but I found a few answers that have worked for me. So there was definitely a period of about a year where I would wake up anywhere from like 1am to 2am and be awake, you know, for a good couple of hours during the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't think being in a pandemic helped that no. and being in lockdown as well. So, but definitely like the sleep was a big issue and it really affected other aspects of my life um, in terms of working out and movement because I'm tired and then when you're tired I think you also make um bad food choices right it's almost like when you're uh, hungover and you're like I need a greasy burger and so you're sleep deprived and you're just like you know grabbing things that aren't necessarily nourishing for your body and it's it's this cycle which is yeah you want carbs you totally yeah. want carbs and carbs are not evil like they aren't but when that's when you're eating like white bread carbs all the time that's a little <laughs> bit evil the comfort <laughs> carbs <laughs> yeah they're not carbs. the best so you know that was probably and then that also leads to weight gain and you know so i was will say i hadn't had any problem with weight gain until covid so i think it's more mm-hmm. covid related than mm-hmm. yeah the covid 19 pounds right Oh, it's the real thing. It's yeah. like the freshman <laughs> 10 or 15 yeah, or whatever yeah, the hell the that was. The quarantine 15. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely got the 15 going right now, <laughs> um, unfortunately. So what have you been doing to help mitigate some of these symptoms? What has worked for you and what hasn't? <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely movement. I mean, I'm big into not necessarily like fitness and health, but I'm more, my philosophy is about movement every day. So getting out, I have a dog, which I walk like three times a day. Um, You know, that gets me out for like eight to 10 kilometers a day. So even on the days where maybe I'm not working out, I'm still getting out and moving. And I think that's really important for Mm -hmm. women. It's not, especially, you know, there's, go out, go to the gym three days a week, but then those other four days a week, you still need to be moving your body. So that was one thing that's really helped me. Um, The other thing that I've just discovered recently, which has been a game changer for my sleep, is sleeping with my window open. I read some articles on sleeping Mm. in a colder room, Mm -hmm. how it's supposed to be better for you. and for me, it's worked. Like now I still wake up in the middle of the night, 
but I fall back to sleep. It's weird. It works oh, for babies. Fresh air. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's more than the fresh. It's the cold. The cold. Actually. Mm-hmm. So they say like a room temperature of about 66 degrees mm-hmm. works for helping you go back to sleep. And it's worked wonders for me. Um, so I sleep with the window wide open and the ceiling yeah. fan on and I sleep in a tank top and I find it hot as hell in here. And my husband has actually taken to sleeping in my daughter's room. Nothing and my daughter that. wears some cosplay onesie that's all fleece. <laughs> so she sleeps with me and she's totally fine. But yeah, Nothing like, awesome. yeah. I was hoping that you would tell me something I wasn't already doing. <laughs> um, I do have some other things. So another thing that really worked for me was um, jasmine oil which sounds mm-hmm. so weird because everyone's always lavender or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across this study and I'm not a scientist. I'm just saying it worked for me. Yeah. We just like it, sharing what, yeah. what others have yeah, tried, so right? Like, yeah. like, whatever. But it was the study and it was jasmine oil, which reminds me obviously of my grandmother, like that flowery scent. Mm-hmm. And they had tested it on mice and they, when these mice were exposed to this jasmine oil, they just went and chilled out in the corner of their cage. Like it was almost like taking like a Valium to them. <laughs> it, 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 those parts of the brain. So I actually kept Jasmine oil beside my bed uh-huh. and in the middle of the night when I would wake up, I would smell it and it did help me fall back to sleep, like not instantaneously, but it would take like two hours down to about half an hour. Oh, so nice. that was a really good oh, one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there is I always use, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I always use um, Lush's Sleepy Cream, and it does have lavender and some other things, I think calendula or something yeah, like that. Yeah, everybody thinks like lavender, right? Yeah. And I just personally don't like the smell of it, but I don't really like the smell of the jasmine, but it worked. <laughs> and then the last thing was acceptance. Instead of trying specifically for sleeping and waking up in the middle of the night, instead of just trying to fight it and being really upset and anxious, like, oh, it's happening again. I'm awake again. Like, oh, I just would accept it. And I would just maybe turn on my lights and read for a bit or scroll my phone, which I know you're supposed not supposed to do because of like, <laughs> blue light or whatever. And I would just be like, okay, well, I'm awake right now. So what can I do at this time? Instead of trying to force myself to sleep and feeling frustrated. And Mm -hmm. I think that's been the biggest thing. Even with the hot flashes, like at first when it was happening, I was like, oh my God, why is this happening so much and so frequently? And then after I'm just like, oh, just accept it. Like you can't change it. No. This is what it's, this is happening. It's going to happen. And so they'd come on, I'd be like, oh, okay, it's another one. And, mm. and then just get on with it. And so, I don't know, just the acceptance, like this is my body and I can either fight it or I can work with it mm-hmm. has been the biggest game changer for me. Not that I accomplish it every single time. Of course, <laughs> but it's worth I'm a like, shot. Oh my gosh, stop well, it. Sometimes but, it can be overwhelming. Like a certain symptom yeah. can be overwhelming. Anxiety totally. or a hot flash or a night sweat. And I think um, it's, I think it's about accepting it. But, you know, I also think like we've looked into so much different research and experts about there's a lot of stuff too that it could be indicative of. Like when we talked to Susan Schroeder, nutritionist, we talked about 
not hot flashes. They seem to be an anomaly that no one can figure out. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody can figure out the hot flashes, but other things, anxiety and everything else, like if we understand what our adrenal glands are doing at 3 a.m., why they're waking us up, we can deal with that. You know, mm-hmm. either through a supplement or rebalancing. And we, we know like other symptoms like, you know, peeing our pants, there's pelvic floor therapy. Like there are things that we don't have to suffer through, but there are certain symptoms of menopause where I really just like Ramona, I I don't know if you agree. I haven't read anything where anyone claims to be able to figure out hot flashes where they come from and why and how to deal with them. That seems to be like the one symptom and it's the most bothersome symptom to me, but it seems to be Mm -hmm. the one that no one can really understand what's happening. Like, There's theories. Yeah. I haven't found anything either. I mean, I'll be honest to say I'm one of the lucky ones in that I, I wasn't really plagued with hot flashes so much, Mm -hmm. although I notice them. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts now through a pandemic when I'm not exercising as much and I may be drinking a bit more wine and that sort of thing that they're starting to come up again more frequently which is unusual for me. So that's a sort of a sign for me, like something in my diet and what I'm doing to my body is not doing well. And yeah, and everything's falling apart, you know, but that's when I usually experience the hot flashes right now. Yeah. I would say the most disappointing thing about perimenopause is that wine does increase hot flashes. Yeah. yeah, and spicy <laughs> totally. foods. Alcohol, oh, yeah. Come on, you have to punish me more. But, I know. Yeah, You're like, really isn't does. this the only thing getting me through it? Um, Wouldn't it be amazing if wine actually, like, <laughs> they, like, that was like the one thing that the doctor said, you know what, you need to drink more wine and oh, yeah. it'll really help with these side effects and it's totally healthy. <laughs> wine will clear the brain fog, you will lose weight, sleep better. It it adds collagen to your skin and it gets rid of hot flashes. I'd be all over that. And let's actually just talk about the brain fog for a minute because that's (laughs) a real thing. Um, And that's another, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, the nouns go first. Like you forget. Oh my God. Can you please pass that thing on the table filled with salt? And my son's like, the salt shaker. I'm like, yeah, that. But like (laughs) you just simple everyday words. And mm-hmm. you're struggling to find them, or you had a thought in your head, and then it's just gone, gone. like a wisp of air. Like you're just like in the middle of a sentence, and you can't remember. I'm surprised we're all having a coherent conversation right now. No, we have <laughs> notes. We're following the notes, and I'm recording this. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, the brain fog thing, I love bringing up. It's like probably my one, my one favorite menopause symptom <laughs> that I like to chat about because. I think a lot of women get really scared when it starts happening to them. And I know for me, because my mother has dementia, it was like a whole other level of like, oh my God, I'm Mm -hmm. getting dementia. Um, And I've been part of studies with the University of Toronto um, to learn more about um, how menopause affects your cognition. Um, And I hope to have them, or we hope to have them on as a guest in the future this year. But it is a really, really important side effect that I love bringing up. So I'm glad that you brought it up again, because it's really important for women to know this is a big one. It maybe doesn't happen to everybody, but it 
usually happens for a certain time longer than others and it can be really unsettling if you don't know that yeah, it's and, it's, and like you mentioned especially if you have somebody in the family who's had dementia or alzheimer's and right mm -hmm. away that's where your mind goes to mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and you know i think the brain fog is pretty common right and whether women get um a severe case of it or a minor case of it it's still enough to make you take pause and be concerned right like we joke about it it's funny but like when you're pregnant you get baby brain but that goes away mm -hmm. when when you get menopause we don't know if it goes away i don't know if it goes away like i don't think i've heard whether or not it goes away or not and so i do scrabble i'm trying to do sudoku but it feels too much like math like <laughs> anything <laughs> like anything to keep my brain sharp even though i would say all of us homeschooling children running a business and dealing with life and marriage and everything else our brain should be pretty damn sharp by now but somehow it just doesn't feel enough mm -hmm. well, i think you hit the nail on the head you say we laugh about it and we're laughing and we're making jokes about it but we're stuffing down our real fear and yeah. not doing ourselves and every woman a disservice by doing that and not saying, you know what, I'm actually really concerned that, you know, this could be something else or that this is never gonna wait, be, go away and this is my brain from here on out. So I yeah. think it's super important to, I mean, yeah, like joke about it again, you know, but you have to kind of make light of it, but not all the time. Like we yeah. need to be able to express that we're afraid. Mm -hmm. well, it's a good point. Is this the new baseline from my memory? Yeah. Like this spotty kind of cognition, which sucks. You know, and, and there are ways, like I write notes for myself. I write to-do lists like crazy. I have about 65 to-do lists at any given time. One is for the house. One is for work. One is for she 2.0 because I know that if I don't do that, I will forget. I, I have a notebook yeah. beside my bed now because we're getting a new puppy on Saturday. I'm like, oh my God, we have mouse traps out. Like we have to get rid of the mouse traps. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what do we have to get rid of? Something, something mm -hmm. about the dog and danger. Oh, well, it's gone. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh. the additional um, thing that's added on is the mom's mental load. Yeah, so of course. We have the mental load, and now we have a foggy brain, and we're living and dying by our task lists, and the pressure is immense. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you add Debbie Downer, but yeah, but you layer <laughs> yeah. on a pandemic as well, and trauma also contributes to to memory loss. Um, oh, and great. so you think of that when we couple it that with menopause and our task list and whatever it's like you know no wonder some of us are feel like we're just unraveling right yeah mm -hmm. yeah the other thing i find um really tough with menopause and, and not everybody gets it this symptom but the hor the mood swing and the hormone rage um i feel like you can explain that away to your partner to your kids all you want but it's sort of like the um fool me once, you know, shame on you. Like, I feel like it wears out its welcome as an excuse, but it's not an excuse. Like it shouldn't be categorized with all the other lame ass excuses we use for life. Like 
I can only yell at my husband so many times and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't know where that came from before it becomes like, can you not get a grip on that? And that can cause um, friction in your relationship with your husband, with your kids, with work colleague, like with whoever, right? Like yeah. it, the, one of the big challenges is the people around you not understanding what you're going through. And that's a like, sorry to switch gears here, but that's a big topic for me because I think that's a twofold problem. There's the lack of understanding, which can create a lack of empathy, but there's also um, the people around you who don't want to talk about it. You know, like who don't feel comfortable talking to you about it. So I'm going to unpopular opinion here, but Good. I think we have to take responsibility for our own emotions and we're grown women. And so when we start to recognize that we're feeling this rage is the exact moment when we need to take a step back um, before we say anything and try to understand where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, you know, so that we're not, I think we tend to do it with, you know, our husbands and our kids, right? It's almost the exact same way as a toddler will have a tantrum in front of his mom because yeah. he knows his, it's a safe place to land and his mom will always love him. And so, because we certainly wouldn't have the same sort of outburst with a stranger at the grocery store. Yes, because yeah. even if we're feeling rage because somebody is slow walking in front of us at the mall, we wouldn't go off the handle at that person mm -hmm. like we would um, at our husband for chewing with his mouth open. So yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we could. But I, would. I think we have to take some responsibility. Yes, it's awful. I felt the rage, like, and my kids have seen it, especially when I'm driving. I don't know what it is that sets me up as I'm driving, but it's road rage. And I'm like, yeah. seriously, and I never used to be like that. And I'm like swearing and like, oh, um, and so they've seen it, but I, and it does come from like a hormone based place in my body, but I also have to take responsibility for it and be like, you, you need to not explode at people you love. Yeah. Have you found, um, that going through this right now has affected any of your personal relationships, whether it be family, friends? Um, no, not, I mean, again, like this is such a bad time to be going through because I'm mm -hmm. like, is it COVID or is it menopause? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I would say no, like I'm pretty good. I meditate like shit. Like mm -hmm. I am meditating. I do walking meditations. I wake up in the morning. I do a loving kindness meditation. Like, and I'm really into just when I'm in that moment where I'm going to snap. My husband's nickname for me used to be twig because I would just snap, right? <laughs> <laughs> As I got more mature and hopefully... Um, I learned to just breathe it in for a second and be like, what are you really upset at? Is mm -hmm. it really him or are you just like a ball of hormones right now? Mm -hmm. A lot of times it was a ball of hormones. Or lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof, yeah. yeah. Was there anything that surprised you about 
menopause or what you've been experiencing that you didn't know? So I didn't really like, so my mom passed away when I was like 20 years ago. So when I was quite young and I never really got to talk to her about her experience. Um, you know, same with my grandmothers. Like I didn't have a lot of women around. So I don't think anything has surprised me because I didn't know what to expect except mm-hmm. what I see in the media, mm-hmm. you know, or joking around with my friends, but really like, it's like, Oh, you're going to have hot flashes. Oh, you know, you're going to be cranky. Oh, you're not going to sleep. And that's all I really knew. So I don't think anything surprised me. I'm trying really hard mm-hmm. to just take it in stride. Mm-hmm. It's very caricaturable in the media and in mm-hmm. film and television. Uh, you know, you can laugh at another woman being a bit cranky and snappy and think, oh, when I do that, it'll be fleeting. It's not fleeting. No. It's, and it's, it's I'm going on three years now. It's not fleeting. Yeah, no. But it's, it's cumulative. Like you feel like, fuck, am I just like the most negative person in Canada or what's happening yeah. here? And it can really play on your psyche. I think that's kind of the danger. And then you throw in a pandemic that's already playing on your psyche. It's a big problem. I, and I would say too, and I mean, the physical aspect of it. I'm like losing collagen in my skin. And uh, that sucks. Like just like things that I can't control. Like if I want to control my weight, I can eat better and, you know, exercise and lift weights, but I can't control the saggy doughy cheeks I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> like the under, like the waddle on my chin, like, and just losing yes. the elasticity of my skin and all of these things my lips getting thinner and you know like my hairline I've noticed is starting to get a little thinner like all of these things which are and again I don't know is it menopause or is it just normal aging or is it a combination of both but those things that I can't control I find bothersome sometimes well the thing about that is it when you talk about women I think you have to tie menopause and aging together because women will always go through menopause, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you can't not. And uh, unless for some weird reason you were born without a uterus, men don't go through that. They, so they do go through slight loss of whatever the testosterone, they can get a shot in the ass and 10 seconds later they're in their twenties, but we can't go through that. Like, it's part of our aging process. It's, it's directly linked to aging menopause and collagen we lose because we lose estrogen and you know, all the things we know about what is being depleted in our bodies. So unless you're doing like maybe HRT and I don't know enough about HRT to say this, but I'm just sort of saying like, there's no real um, coming back from this. Yeah, (laughs) no, like when you go through it, you're going through it. And I think we have to find a new way to look at it because I feel like, I don't know, do we get rid of our mirrors? Because it is terrible to look at yourself physically and berate yourself for something out of your control, something you don't want any other person to judge you on. So why should we judge ourselves on this, right? And you know, Sharon, I've only known you a few years, but, and it's a Zoom call, but pretty good video on your end, my friend. You look great. Like, (laughs) you're keeping in shape and you're, you look healthy and you, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of this crap is also in our head. So one thing I do know for sure, 
was that in my 20s wearing a bikini and looking in the mirror, I thought I didn't look great. And then when I was in my 30s, I looked back at my 20 pictures and was like, girl, you are beautiful. And mm -hmm. then in my 30s, I'd be like, oh, I don't look great in this bathing suit. And oh my gosh, like I put on some weight or whatever. And then in my 40s, I looked at those pictures and was like, girl, you're beautiful once again. And mm -hmm. so I'm trying that, right? To look at yeah. and be like, you're beautiful the way you are right now. And when you're 60, you're yeah. going to look back and be like, yeah, you really were beautiful. Why didn't I cherish that? Exactly. That's right. And I think it's just, you know, it really is a result of the, how women are perceived in media and we put this pressure on ourselves and I and I have done the exact same thing Sharon looked back and went oh my god I remember <laughs> going to the clubs with my friends and be like oh my god I look so fat and blah 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 and, and looking back and going oh my god like you looked amazing and I think we all look amazing and we all you know do our best to be healthy and eat right and and take care of our families and we're all going to look back on this and go, you know what, regardless <laughs> of how we look, like we did it. We, we did yeah. it all yeah. and managed to hopefully stay sane through the process. Um, but I get you, like there's physical things that happen when you go through menopause, like for me, because uh, mine happened prophylactically, like I, I was in menopause at 39. And I'm 44 now. And I see like my eyebrows are falling out. Like I have very thin eyebrows now, which like why, I mean, why is that? Like why do our eyebrows get thinner but we grow hair? See, on I our know nose? it's I, like I don't understand. They fall down to our whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's right. Like it's so funny. Like little things and like the collagen absolutely i notice yeah. like around my eyes the skin is so thin now and like same thing like the jowls i'm starting to see the jowls and i'm like oh my god <laughs> it's that lack of control right? it's a lack like of the control and lack of self-acceptance right like yeah mm -hmm. i think we need to be a lot more kind to ourselves you know what one of the worst like if i ever get the money and a taser who i want to go after first it's those morons who write those look at these celebrities then and what they look like now oh, yeah. like you know what they look like now they look like someone who had a successful career and they age 30 years shut up that's what they look like mm -hmm. now like why do yeah, we they look like a human being yeah, yeah like we have mm -hmm. to make people feel ashamed for aging you know it's like carrie fisher had a really great quote that you know um beauty is not an accomplishment and so yeah. Don't look at aging like it's a fault or a, a weakness. It's like our physical appearance is nothing. But again, we're still fighting that uphill battle. Like Dove's trying to fight the skin we're in and look at our inner beauty. But are we there yet? Because we're still judging ourselves on the physical impact of menopause and what you can see in us and the changes in us. But really, it's going to happen. Like we're getting older. It's supposed to happen. We're supposed yeah. to do this. So while we can fight the uncomfortableness of some of those symptoms and we can check our bodies and make sure, okay, we might still go through symptoms, but let's make sure our bodies are functioning optimally. That should be our biggest concern, right? 
Like I'm pretty sure I've got a nine year old in the bathtub screaming at me. I'm pretty sure she doesn't care that I have jowls. I think she just cares that I play around and I'm fun and I'm, you know, still dumb enough to go wear a cosplay red panda outfit out on the street with a glass of wine. That's all she cares about. She doesn't yeah. care that my eyebrows are now my whiskers and my boobs <laughs> are now my knees. <laughs> you know, right. and I, I think we should have that expectation of ourselves. And I think we all have to go easier. I have one last question. Um, did anyone in your sort of circle or your relationship circle and family, whatever, react negatively to you talking about menopause? Like, have you ever felt around anybody in your group uh, that you can't talk about it? No. Or maybe I'm just clueless and I don't read the signs. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I do just talk, and I will talk to my boys about it. I mean, not all the time. They're teenage boys. But I'll make comments. I'll be like, can you, like, just leave me alone? I, you know, just on my period after six months, I'm having a bad day. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, mom. Like, all stuff, and they, like, back out of the room very on their <laughs> so no like I mean I haven't had any kind of negativity which I hope means I'm surrounding myself with the type of friends and family and women that I need to surround myself with because I'd be horrified if like someone was like oh you can't talk about that mm -hmm. yeah it's such a normal thing yeah yeah which is why I'm glad the two of you are doing this because we need to normalize it and just talk about it so that it's not always done in a jokey manner and downplaying what we're going through and that the fear and uncomfortableness of it all is very real sometimes. And we need to express that. Absolutely. I, You're here. I, yeah. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. That was awesome. Like it was so great to hear it from your perspective you know, the ups and the downs, you have a very positive outlook on it and you're clearly surrounded by a really great group of people. So okay. I think that really will help your experience too. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you for having me as the first uh, real life menopausal woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's real, people. She's real. <laughs> Introducing She's Sharon, real. the first woman with perimenopause <laughs> in the world. <laughs>